This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 95 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Loose on the loose. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Equestrian Collections brings the whole universe of equestrian shopping to your fingertips. Visit them at equestriancollections.com and The Barnworks for all of your equine marketing needs. Visit them at thebarnworks.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop This is Glenn the Geek And this is Helena B And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show On the Horse Radio Network What a week for the Horse Radio Network, Helena you have been a busy bee. I'll tell you what, I'm trying to get the rest of my work done. Now, most of my weekend and beginning of the week was taken up with that uh, para webathon that we did live on Tuesday night. Which was a huge success. Oh, well, thank you so much for calling in and donating. Did you see I gave you a shout out? Uh, yes, I did. Thank you. <laughs> that was our first video event. We did a live two-hour uh, telethon to raise money for the para-equestrian team that was going to the World Equestrian Games this year. And it was a huge success. Yes, it was. And it was so well done. So well done. I I'm really thank, proud of you. I have to thank Alltech for that, too. They, they, had, oh, they had like eight people there working the technical side of that event. And three different cameras, and they had everything all set up, the lights and everything. And then we just had to put on the show. And it was just so much fun to do. And we raised over $10,000. Wow. In two hours? In two hours. There were, there were times we had four phone lines, which we thought, you know, there were no way we're going to fill four phone lines at any one right. time. Right. And there were many times that the four phone lines were full that people were getting busy signals. Um, you said when you called in, you got a busy signal. I did. I, the first time I called, I got a busy signal. Then I got a text message from your wife. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Have you called in yet? <laughs> like, I am on the other line calling in, of course. <laughs> well, and Uncle Jimmy called in. Uncle Jimmy, aren't one of our favorites. Yeah, Uncle Jimmy called in and uh, made a donation. There were just so many people. And the thing that surprised me, too, is how many people were donating large amounts, $100, $200, $500. It's, it's important. You know, it's important. And I, I think, I, like I said to my husband, I, I, gosh knows we don't have much to spare, but I really want to see these guys get to the, the World Equestrian Games. Well, I, I have to say, we had five of them there that had flown in from around the country of the para-equestrians, the athletes that are, that are on the short list to compete. Yeah. And I got to spend two nights. We went out to dinner the night before, and then we closed the bar the second night after the event. You don't want to tell people that. Well, we did. We had fun. Um, so we... Uh, it was amazing to spend time with them. One thing I've noticed more than other disciplines even is that the para-equestrians are a great big family. They really, yes, they compete against each other, but when they're off, that, when they're, when they're off the arena, 
they are a family. They get along, they like each other, and they have a good time together. We had a great time with them. Mm. It, this was more rewarding for us, you know, the people from the Horse Radio Network who participated, yep. Samantha and Chris and, and everybody else, than it was for them. It was well, you, just so rewarding for us. You know, it's, it's, it's like you were invited into that family. Yes. By, and, and they and, which is an honor. Well, and they couldn't have been more hospitable and thankful. Um, you know, 10,000 you know, is probably bringing a half a rider to the games. But we want to thank everybody who, from our audience at Stable Scoop who called in to donate. They had 80 different donations that night, so 75 or 80. It just, uh, we were thrilled with it. It was the first time, as far as we know, that a telethon has ever been done over the internet before. And wow. we had 36 websites, media partners, carrying it. And I want to thank all of them as well. Um, it was just a huge event put on by a lot of people working together. And for- not easy to do, especially for, uh, I mean, and even Alltech, as big as they are, you, you got to admit that the, the horse world is definitely slow coming to the technology world and who would have and thought a year ago that the horse radio network working with with the company could put on the first ever live telethon on online yeah i think we're all we should all pat ourselves on, well on the back i mean not me but yeah I but think anybody so who was involved in in producing this so did um, i suck on there Alina? totally sucked yeah, i thought so yeah it was the first you time look- i'd ever done video it's what? It, yeah, baloney. <laughs> it was the first time I'd ever done video. Actually, you do it in front of your mirror with a hairbrush. <laughs> you know you do. <laughs> I had a blast. It was so much fun. I was in the call center, so I got the fun job. You were like a pregnant woman. You were all glowing and happy. Oh, I was. I was so happy. The phone was ringing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And they were lovely. The, the uh, people that you had answering the phones were just so nice. Oh, and you know they were all the riders, and they, you know when they weren't on stage doing their little part, telling their stories, they were all answering the phones, and it was interesting because people would call in and say which one are you and they'd say i just saw you mm-hmm. so it was good for them too you know it was good backup for them and it really made them feel like people do care um and you know some of these some of these people struggle to get to where they are well uh, you know i think a lot of people a lot more people would care if they knew so half you know half of that webathon was raising money the other part was raising awareness that's right it's exactly right and we i do want to tell everybody if you missed it it's available on tape it's on our website at horseradionetwork.com just click on, click on the middle of the page here you'll see a webathon link and it's recorded you can watch the whole thing and you can still donate through their website as well that's a, that's a big question so if you're listening to this show now, you haven't missed your chance. You no, can still donate to this go cause. Go to horseradionetwork.com, follow that link for the uh, Parawebathon, and uh, you can take a watch of a little of it or all of it, and then there's a spot right there to donate. So Ooh, let's see if we can get that 10,000 number bumped up a little I, bit. I, and we have time. There's still three, well, almost uh, 106 days till the World Equestrian Games. So. So, so we have 106 more days in which to donate? Yes. Yep. Okay, people, yep. now's your chance. <laughs> yeah, I, I, if you ha- didn't get a chance... I would say watch it for the stories. They're incredible athletes that have done incredible things. And a lot of them, if you watch those videos, Helena, you can't tell when you watch the videos of them riding in a test that, that they have any handicap at all. Um, but then when you see them walk or when you see them you know, try and do things uh, just you know, on the ground, that's when you notice it. But their riding is unbelievable. You know what? So. We're so much bigger and better when we're, uh, when we're mounted. Yes. <laughs> that's, you know, that's why we do. I, I mean, and I mean that in a nice way. It, it, Riding makes us better human beings. We're so much more than what 
we are on the ground. And I'll tell you what, we're going to hear a little bit of that today. I caught up with Kathleen again, uh, you know, Kathleen's Wild Ride that we've been doing every week. Kathleen started in Oregon and is working her way across the country by horseback and She's riding an Appaloosa and has an Appaloosa in tow the, uh, for a pack horse, and she's just been having some incredible times. <laughs> uh, and, and so we're going to get caught up with her again at the beginning of the show like we do every week. And then also uh, we have something different. You know, we've been having some different shows lately. And they've been so much fun. Uh, And this week's not going to be any different, let me tell you. Uh, We have a fascinating guy, Helena, who's with us today, who is uh, known to uh, to listeners on over 100 radio stations across the country. And his name is Trent Luce. And we thought it was time that our horse audience got to know Trent a little bit. He travels the country doing radio shows and meeting fascinating people. Now, not just in, in the horse world, but in the ag world as well. Uh, like I think today he said, what was that conference again? Not the swine conference. Uh, the world pork expo. That's where he is today. He's at the world pork expo in Des Moines, Iowa. So it's going to be funny. He's a cowboy, has a big mustache. Um, and I just think it'd be a lot of fun to chat with him about his travels and what, what he's come across. And how many listeners does he have? You said it's some ungodly amount. Four million. Four million. Yeah. A little more than us. Few. (laughs) Just a few. (laughs) But, you know, he must have something interesting to say or a very interesting way of saying it. Right. Yeah. Either way, I'm saying to that ag audience, you know, that doesn't have much entertainment. You know what, though, too? It's such a broad audience. Even if you are a horse person or you're a big person or something, you can't help but not be involved in the ag world in general. So anything anybody has to say about any kind of farm life, we all want to tune in and hear what's, you know. He does a TV show, and he does like four or five radio shows. So he does a lot of stuff. I don't even know at all what he... We'll just have to talk to him about it. I really need to change my cable. (laughs) I also... I I know, me too. I got to get a satellite, because we don't get all those cool stations. I live in Lexington, and we can't get the cool horse stations. Figure that out, you know? So uh, there's a medallion giveaway. Don't forget that. It's till the end of June. We're giving away three of the medallions, gold, silver, and bronze, from the uh, official medallions of the World Equestrian Games. And you can sign up. It's free and easy to win. So just go to horseradionetwork.com uh, to the uh, giveaway. Just follow the giveaway link, and you can sign up there. So we, we definitely want you to do that. Uh, and I think that's about it, isn't it? Was there anything oh, I have else? an update on my horse. Oh, yes. Your horse was feeling a little imp- impy. He was feeling impy, yes, and um, we're, we're working through the mysteries of what's imping him. Okay, so we uh, determined it wasn't the rider. Well, no, we could still very much be the rider, <laughs> but we took uh, I, we took the rider and the saddle off his back and, and put him back to work on the lunge okay. to see what's what's cooking, and he improved tremendously. So it was the rider. Yeah, and well, we could <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry. So we have the chiropractor coming out today, and... Um, He's going to do an adjustment and see if that improves things even more. And then we have um, a saddle fitter who's coming at the end of the month. And hopefully that will really help him out. But um, the good news is, is that he's improved greatly um, on the lunge. And actually, he did better under saddle, too, with what I think is a crappy fitting saddle. So, Well, you know, it's funny. We, uh, my, not funny. My wife and I watched uh, the video that you sent. Yeah. And boy, he's pretty. He's a cute, cute boy. Um, but we really didn't notice that much on the video. That was his second day um, of lunging. So okay, he it really wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that was huge. No, it was, it was huge. The, the, the last week, it was huge. He was all wonky and, and definitely off. I got off him that day, gave him a day's rest. Um, 
actually gave him two days rest and then started him back on the lunge. And he was greatly improved the first day back on the lunge. The second day on the lunge was when I shot the video and sent it to you guys to look at. So even just back to work that with a couple of days off, he was a completely well, different maybe. Horse. Let's just hope it was a pulled muscle, you know? Well, I, my best guess is that he was ridden hard and wrong um, at the consignment barn. Yeah. And uh, after not really doing much work all winter. Hmm. So Let's hope. Let's hope it was something as simple as that. Yeah, we'll see. So that's your pie update? That's my pie update. Every time you say that, it makes me hungry, you know. Oh, my gosh. He is so damn cute. <laughs> I know he is cute. He's oh adorable. Oh, my gosh. And, and he and Zeke love each other. Oh, do they? They're, they're together now. I moved Zeke to the barn where we're, we're boarding pie. And um, they're together. They put them out. They, their stalls are next to each other. And they're all lovey-dovey. The minute <laughs> Zeke walked in and <laughs> pie is like, hi, who are you? <laughs> he is adorable. He fits you. He does. <laughs> You're both adorable. He does. And, and I have to say, he got, um, yesterday when I was lunging him, he was, uh, or the day before, I don't know. Anyway, he's, he, he, you know, he's working on getting stronger and building that muscle in the back. And uh, he kind of, he was nice and warmed up and he hit this sweet spot where he was really feeling good. He was balanced. He was warmed up. And then he went all Arab on me. <laughs> and he, his head came up. The way, you know, the, those hunter-jumper riders can't stand. Anyway, his head came up, his tail flagged in the air, and suddenly he was floating around me on the lunge, and it was awesome. I never thought that I would appreciate that way of going in a horse. But he was so comfortable, and it was so natural for him to carry himself that way. I was dying that I was on the ground. I wanted to be on his back, you know. It just goes to show you that you think you know something that you like or don't like about horses until you're actually submersed in it. And then you realize that you, you can appreciate just about everything they have to offer. So it's not all saddlebred in that combination, is it? I, he got the best of both breeds. He did really he? did. Yeah. He really, really did. He doesn't have the high stepping knee action that you get in the saddlebreds. And, you know, he doesn't seem to be a, a hot-headed Arab. Um, he's as smart. I think he has the intellect, if you can say that horses have intellect. He's the intellect of an Arab. And uh, I think the kindness and gentleness of the saddlebreds, and I don't know, he's just fabulous. Well, you're just going to have to, I mean, another year here, you'll be out doing endurance rides of 100 miles. Not kidding. Yeah. Well, Kathleen will tell you a little bit about what happens to your butt uh, next when you do long rides every day. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, we got to hear it from somebody who's been there. So we'll be back with Kathleen's wild ride update right after this word from Equestrian Collections. We're excited to announce this week that Equestrian Collections has a new coupon code for listeners of the Horse Radio Network. As you know by now, if you need anything for your horse, the barn, or you, the place to find it is Equestrian Collections. They have a whole universe of equestrian shopping at your fingertips at a price you can afford. And now you can get $10 off your next order of $120 or more by using the coupon code 10DISCOUNT at checkout. That's the numbers 10 followed by the word discount at checkout to get these fantastic savings. All of us at the Horse Radio Network would ask you to stop by equestriancollections.com the next time you need anything horsey and give them a shot. That's equestriancollections.com. Well, this is Helena and Glenn back with you now on the Stable Scoop Radio Show, episode number 95. And we are here. We, it is time for Kathleen's Wild Ride Update. So let's see how far Kathleen went and what kind of cool people she met along the way. Well, hi, Kathleen. How are you making out? 
I'm doing pretty good, Glenn. How are you doing? Good. Now tell me where you are so I can find you on the map. Okay, I am in a little tiny town called Brogan, Oregon. It, it's, how do you spell that one? B-R-O-G-A-N. Oh, just like it sounds, huh? Yep, and it's about 21, 22 miles from Vail, Oregon. So you got through the uh, National Forest, it looked like. Oh, yeah, all, all three of them. Yeah. <laughs> now, you've had quite a week. Oh, yeah. It's been a little entertaining at times. I was reading your blog post, and it's like, how can you do that much in a week? First of all, <laughs> let's start with the important stuff. Helena always picks on me about this, but you've had some, uh, you've had some bacon cheeseburgers along the way. Oh, yes, I have. <laughs> and I have to say that Emma in Spray still has the best bacon cheeseburger I have had so far on my trip. All right, so she's still winning the contest here. She is still the reigning queen. Now, you've spent some nice nights, according to your blog, which is at uh, you might think I'm crazy.blogspot.com, that you've had some, uh, met some amazing people and actually slept in a bed or two. Oh, yeah, I have. It's been really nice. I mean, last night, I stayed in somebody's travel trailer, and the night before that, I slept in someone's spare room, and the night before that, somebody actually let me have a hotel room. Oh, wow. You have been, you've been parting it up there, girl. I have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually sleep under the stars any night last week? No, I haven't slept that <laughs> Didn't need that sleeping bag after all. So so uh, what, you also had to, uh, from what I read, you, your horses needed a, a shoe job, huh? Oh, yeah, they were getting, and it looks like they're going to go between three and four weeks for every new New set of shoes has to be done. Well, now, when we, when we talked last, they were not getting along very well, and, and you were hoping that would improve. Has, has that improved at all? Well, it has, and it hasn't. <laughs> they're, they're being a little bit more tolerant of each other, but it still does not like her very much. And yesterday, she actually bit her on top of the head. Not real hard. I didn't break the skin or anything, but it was kind of mean and a little funny. At the so time. who's picking on who? Is Mama picking on the baby or baby picking on Mama? Uh, Oh, no. Mama's picking on the baby. Mama rules yeah. the roost. Yeah. So she's in charge, huh? Well, she's in charge of those two. She keeps trying to think she's in charge of me, but then she remembers that, no, I'm in charge. <laughs> and we should clarify for everybody that has not been listening in that um, that you're riding Mama and Baby is the pack horse. Yes, I'm riding Mama Baby's the pack horse. Okay. And we say Baby, she's a couple years old, right? Yeah, she's <laughs> yeah. four. Yeah. So, uh, so tell us, what was what was the highlight of your week? But it was when I met Jody Foss, she has called ahead and talked to people to have me stay with them. Well, all those people have just grabbed that ball and ran with it, and they have been calling ahead, too. And in some towns I get to, I have two or three people who want me to stay with them, and I have two. <laughs> who would have thought, huh? I know, I know. I thought I'd just be camping out the entire way, and now I have people saying, oh, no, no, you're staying with me. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't know if that's going to continue happening all the way through the country, but it's it's that's fun, and that, you know that that also says something for 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 humanity that there still is some. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, I've which I I think we all start to doubt after a while after hearing news all the time. Yeah, I know. Now, now I I did read uh, what I've learned so far was your lag, last blog post, and there were some interesting ones in there. Uh, now you said the people of Shaniko. Uh, I learned a strong sense of community that can go a long way to overcome difficulties. Who are the people of Shaniko? It's actually pronounced Shaniko, and it's okay. a little tiny ghost town. And they, it's a, they don't have any permanent residence there anymore, but 
they have had a, an individual who I'm not going to name come in and buy a major portion of their town, and when he got mad at the town, he closed down the hotel. Oh, which wow. leaves the town without a major source of income. But they are banding together, and they are finding ways to bring in people despite the fact that they've lost their hotel. Wow. And so they just they want their community to survive, and they want it to prosper and grow, and so they just get together and meet constantly to come up with new ways that are kind of off the wall sometimes, get money into their town to bring people to their town and, and keep their town moving and prospering. Hmm. Well, that's neat. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's actually a really cool little ghost town. And then you got, uh, also in one of your blog posts, you mentioned you got to see a really neat museum. Yes, I did, actually. I got to go to the Ransom Rodeo Museum in John Day. And I have to say that the rodeo pictures from the, you know, the 60s and the, the 50s and the 70s are well worth the trip to watch those guys riding those rank frogs and bulls. And, <laughs> and it's just absolutely amazing. And I got to meet the guy that owns it who doesn't want any publicity, but I have to say that his wife, should be married to the husband of the year because that guy did an amazing thing while I was there. I mean, he bent over backwards to make sure I had everything I could need in town and let me stay with him in their bunkhouse, and he just chauffeured me around everywhere I wanted to go. Wow. So have you found that you have lightened your load uh, in in recent times, or have you added things to your pack? Actually, I've been lightening it. Every time I, I find something that I don't need anymore or that I can't have with me anymore, I do send it home. Oh, okay. Some that I don't need. And, you know, as the temperature warms up, I'll send, you know, my heavy coat home and I'll get my sleeping bag changed out. And I sent the things home that I didn't need anymore in my pack. Now, since the loss of Solo, you had said that you were speeding up your mileage. What have you been averaging per day? About 20 miles a day now. Wow, okay. And your butt's been hanging in there. I know we talk about your butt every week, but that's kind of important when you're riding that long. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> it's been doing okay. I've been having to get off and walk a mile or two every eight or so miles, which is actually good for me because, you know, I haven't made any secret of the fact that I'm trying to lose weight in this trip, despite the bacon cheeseburgers. I was going to say, despite the bacon cheeseburgers and the French toast, from what I read. Oh, the French toast at the Austin House is fantastic. It's the best French toast I've had on this trip. <laughs> you could write a whole book on the food of the trip. I was thinking about that last night. I was also thinking about the fact that everybody that I'm staying with over the last week keeps keeping me up to like 10 and 11 and midnight. <laughs> Not <laughs> letting you get your beauty rest here. Don't they know you've just ridden 20 miles? <laughs> I don't think it occurred. Oh, it's just 20, 25 miles, whatever. And yesterday I almost fell asleep on the horse twice. Oh, geez. <laughs> I guess if it's warm and stuff, that would be easy to do, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, yesterday was a little entertaining because it was the first time that Mystic has acted up this entire trip because these horses have never really been trail ridden and not on the road at all that I know of. Delightful has never been ridden out of the arena. And they have been absolute stars on this whole trip. They don't mind the logging trucks that have been driving by us and, you know, none of the traffic or anything. <laughs> Yesterday she chose to act up on the most inopportune stretch of highway. <laughs> they had sheer drops on either side and guardrails and no Oops. shoulder. Oops. Time she just started to start bucking and turning in circles because it was raining really super hard on us. Well, now, have you, have you seen much wildlife on this trip? Actually, I'm starting to see more. I mean, the big influx of wildlife for me in the last few days is the prairie dogs. Oh, really? 
There's a prairie dog all the time. It's absolutely hilarious to watch them run back and forth across the road and jump in their little holes and then jump back out again to yell at you. <laughs> you know, that's something we don't have here in the East, so mm-hmm. we don't well, see many prairie dogs. I saw something yesterday you don't have on the East very much either. It's the first time I've seen them, and that was rattlesnakes. Ah, uh, okay. About okay. ten dead rattlesnakes on the road, and then I drove past one. I drove. drove. Yeah, <laughs> I was riding, and I, I looked up, and I went, "Oh, look, that one's not all smashed." And then I kind of stopped and went, "And it's alive." Boiled <laughs> up and was. Sorry, it wasn't rattling because it was still a baby, which kind of makes me a little nervous because the baby rattlesnakes are far more venomous than the adult. Is that right? I didn't know that. Oh yeah. So I kind of gave it a really wide path to get around and then kept a much more sharp eye out for rattlesnakes on the shoulder so that we wouldn't get sneak attacked. Yeah, I'm not a big snake fan, so I'd be giving a wide shoulder, too. Well, I don't mind snakes so much, but I have no desire to have my horses get bit by a snake because that's just not a good thing. In Pennsylvania, we had copperheads, and they uh, they were all over the barn, the one barn we had, and we were always killing copperheads. So, and that, that's not much fun knowing that uh, they're they're in the, your aisleways. Um, so, yeah. Well, it sounds like uh, it sounds like you're still plugging along and still making your way and having a little more comfort than you thought you would have. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. I actually don't smell all that bad at all. Well, and I was amazed when you said you were in Central Time now. You're at Mountain Time. Yeah, I crossed at the Mountain Time. Um... For yesterday. That's kind of like a milestone. Now, you should you be in Idaho soon? I will be in Idaho tomorrow afternoon, I think. Okay, so you're counting off the states here? Do you have a map? You're just Xing them out as you go? Actually, I don't have a full United States map. I just pick up the map of the state that I'm going into next right before I get there. Okay, and is your dad still helping you out? Um, no, he's not. I switched to going off of the state maps and following the the scenic highways and the byways, and so it, he doesn't really have a lot of, of stuff to map for those. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear you sound pretty good, and I'm glad to hear that um, that you're making out and, and meeting so many cool people along the way. It has been really wonderful. I'm just pleased as punch with all of the nice people that I meet every day. Well, good luck, and we'll check in with you next week. I guess we'll be talking to you from the state of Idaho. I think you'll have some more hills coming. Uh, (laughs) And uh, we hope that you continue to uh, find some neat people along the way. Oh, I hope so, too. I'm I'm pretty positive that I will for quite a ways in this trip. All right, well, stay stay wide of the rattlesnakes, and and Mystic, stop doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Good luck, Kathleen. Thank you. Helena, she just is having the best time. She she sounds good. She sounds healthy. She's been sleeping in beds every night, hotel rooms. People have been putting her up in their houses. <laughs> They've been feeding her, as you heard. She's been having bacon cheeseburgers every other day oh. and French toast for breakfast. It's like, I said, you know, I said to her off the air, I said, are you sure you're just not on a resort trip here? Well, and, I'll tell you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, I'd pay way more money for that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, if I want that kind of treatment, I should just get on a horse and ride cross-country. And what's happening in these little towns where she is in the mountains there in Oregon, and she's going to be in Idaho, as she said soon, is they're calling ahead. They all know each other, you know, from town to town, and they're calling ahead. So by the time she gets to town, there's people. She said sometimes there's three or four people waiting, and they're all arguing over who who she's going to stay with. 
Oh. Uh, so it's, it's she said sometimes it hinders her progress because if the town's only like 12 miles down and she wants to go 24, she said they're so hospitable and like, you got to stay here. She has to stop early oh. so she can stay in town. And then she said they keep her up till 11, 12 o'clock at night and she has to go to bed and get up early to ride again. Well, girlfriend's <laughs> going to have to get a little tough love on him. <laughs> she's just having a great time. I think well, it's going to be October by the time she Well, she did say that, that uh, this is going to take a little longer than she thought. So Does she have <laughs> a, I, I, forgive me if I missed this point. Does she have an expected arrival date? She was hoping to do it in three months. Now she's thinking it might be four or five. <laughs> so. Right, so October's not far, far off. Then, we're right? going to go meet her, actually. Um, we're going to get a little party of people here uh, from Kentucky. And when she hits it, Ohio, we're going we're gonna to head up and meet her when she comes into Ohio. Okay. So we're going to try and uh, do a get-together there. I told her I'd buy her a hotel room and a shower. So. Oh, and, and a bacon cheeseburger. And a bacon che- Can you buy me one, too? Okay. <laughs> I love bacon cheeseburger. <laughs> All right, good. Well, let's uh, let's get uh, let's get to our first guest. Yes, Mr. Loose on the loose. All right, I'm introducing this guy, but I have to tell you that Glenn found him and decided he'd be a great guest for the show, and I have to agree with Glenn. Trent Loose travels the country doing a number of radio shows for the ag agricultural world, including one called Trails and Tales, among many others. He's sort of the Charles Kuralt of the ag world. There's a reference for those of you that are over forty. <laughs> Remember Charles Carroll used to have the show called America, where he, he was in a big bus and, and had America all over it, and he traveled the country just talking to cool, regular, average people. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, you youngster. Although I'm over 40. <laughs> Shh. So anyway, <clears throat> Trent, <laughs> the cool thing about uh, Trent is, and I can't believe I've never heard of him, um, but his shows are heard on over 100 different radio stations across the country, and he has, as we mentioned before, more than 4 million listeners. That's crazy. Yeah, that's and, crazy. It <laughs> must mean that he's really good at what he does. So I'm very excited to have him, him on. Again, his name is Trent Luce, so let's get him on. Welcome, Mr. Luce, or may I call you Trent? Oh, please call me Trent. My dad's not here today. Okay, we'll call you Trent then. So forgive me because, you know, I live in Rhode Island, and I really don't get out much, and I am not exposed to the agricultural world the way I should. So I have really no idea... Um, how you got started as um, a, a broadcaster or, or in what you do. And so if you could just give me the Reader's Digest version of your, your background and then what it is you do today, that would be great. You want, uh, Glenn, are you sure you want the Reader's Digest version or should I give you the Twitter version and put 140 <laughs> characters? No, let's go with Reader's Digest. We, you know, it's our own show. We can take as much time as we want. <laughs> I am a sixth, proudly, a sixth generation United States farmer slash rancher, if there's a difference. And uh, we ranch in central Nebraska, my wife and I. We have three daughters, 200 beef cows, 200 meat goats, 50 horses, which is a blend of donkeys, draft horses, quarter horses, mules. Holy cow. And about 12 sows. Uh, Oh, you were impressed by my mules? Yes, and your horses. I'm impressed with the three girls, (laughs) which is probably more work than all your animals put together. You got that right. You obviously have girls, too. Oh, wait, you are one. (laughs) A and B, yes, I have one, so I know. But uh, a few years ago, actually about 11 years ago now, there was an individual who came to West River, South Dakota, where we were ranching at the time, and talked about why we no longer need animal agriculture in this country, and, and I am passionate about animal agriculture 
and uh, really the opportunity to raise those girls in conjunction with animal agriculture. So I got really upset when he said some things that were not correct, and I said, you know, I'm, I could be one of those people that continually complains about what people don't know, or I could do something about it. And one week later, I walked into a gentleman's radio studio in Spearfish, South Dakota. His name is Jim Thompson. He's been in the radio business for 30 years. He's been a rodeo announcer for 30 years. I said, uh, hi, my name is Trent Luce, sixth generation United States farmer, and I want my own radio show. He looked at me, and actually he laughed. And uh, he said, uh, Eric, you and every other American. And I sat down, and he said, you're serious. I said, sir, I'm not leaving until we get a deal. That was in May of 2000, and long story short, about three months later, we began producing a radio program together. Six months later, I began producing Loose Tales, which today is a three-and-a-half-minute look at the people and places in rural America that truly make it what it is, and it is broadcast on radio stations in 19 states on about 100 radio stations. I do five other radio programs every day. I write two columns each week and have a TV show that's on Dish Network, channel 9411, each weekend, Central Time, 8.30, Saturday and Sunday morning. So, Glenn, Glenda, the moral of the story, be careful what you ask for, Glenna. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> well, you have done a, a terrific job in the ag world, and I, I did not realize when, when, when we had you come on that you had so many horses of your own. Neither does my wife. <laughs> so now, do you do riding and roping and all of that? Have you ever been in the rodeo side of things, or was it mostly pleasure? No. Uh, no, on both accounts. It, well, it's always pleasure. Anytime you put a horse between your legs, as Theodore Roosevelt said, the outside of a horse is great for the inside of a man. Right. And I, I think that that is so true. And I become more a, a student and a appreciative of Theodore Roosevelt every single day. Uh, I've never really, I've never been involved in rodeo at all. I enjoy a rodeo. Many friends at rodeo. Um, I do commentary about rodeo. But my horses are, are two things. I, I love teaching horses to, to draft, to pull, harnessing a horse and a mule. And uh, I rake hay. Actually, still this week, when I get home right now, I happen to be at the World Pork Expo in Des Moines, Iowa. But when I get home, I'll be mowing alfalfa, and I'll be raking alfalfa with a team of horses and a rake. And it's just a tremendous experience to do that. And I do it twofold, because there, there are a lot of people that romance the way things used to be. And anybody that thinks it's a great day to rake hay with a team of horses should come to my house, and you can average about three acres of hay an hour being raked with a single rake. With a tractor, you could do about 12 acres an hour. Wow. So, you know, there's some lessons that can be learned there. But horses on my place are, are pretty much, they're obviously pleasure, but they're ranch horses. We do all of our cattle work horseback, do not own a four-wheeler, and um, it's just a great day to be riding a horse, working with your cattle on your place and enjoying Mother Nature. And you choose to live that way. And then that's the nice thing is that it's not, I, I mean, personally, I don't have a longing for the way things used to be because, like you said, it's it's tough. But <clears throat> I feel like that there's, um, I don't know, maybe our country is reverting back to the simplicity 
of the way things used to be and tending to your own animals and tending to your own land and growing your own food. Um, do you find that that's happening? Is, is that a trend or is that just something that I'm hoping is happening? No, it, it is certainly a trend. There are more people talking about uh, local food, uh, growing food in your own garden, which I think is awesome. I, I think it would be tremendous if all 310 million Americans in this country were actively involved in growing their own food. Number one, they get a greater appreciation for what people that actually grow the food go through and dealing with Mother Nature on a day-in and day-out basis. But the one thing that I spend a lot of time trying to correct the myth is that we as a nation would be better off if all of our food was locally grown. And that's not true at all. Case in point is that 80% of the vegetables grown in the United States are grown in Salinas County, the Salinas Valley in California. And, Galena, we can grow those vegetables in the Salinas Valley in California and ship them on a truck to Rhode Island cheaper than you can grow them in your own garden in Rhode Island. And that's part of the efficiencies that we've been able to establish and why we as American citizens have access to a plentiful supply of food, the most reasonably priced supply of food in the world, and the safest supply of food in the world because of the system of food production that we've established. So while people should think about what it takes to grow their own food and have a garden and buy from a local farmer when they can, they shouldn't reject what we've accomplished in this country since the United States Department of Agriculture was created in 1862 in granting us as U.S. citizens all of the essentials of life, food, fiber, pharmaceuticals, and fuel, a, a, plenty, a plentiful supply at a reasonable cost. Well, now, you, you also, uh, in a, you know, for the last 11 years, your life has changed a bit. Obviously, you're not on the farm all the time anymore, because part of what you do for your radio shows and for everything you do is what you're doing today, and that's travel the country, going to expos, meeting with farmers, doing ju just doing... You're, we introduced you as sort of the Charles Kuralt of the ag world. Um, and if you remember that show from years and years and years ago where you used to travel America. Uh, so tell us about some of your adventures. What have been the most interesting things that you've seen over the last 11 years or the most unusual or the most fun? Well, thanks for telling everybody that I'm no longer a rancher. I'm a rancher's husband. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Thanks. You're welcome. I'm a horse husband. I, I, I'm there. I'm just going to let you guys keep spinning this web. <laughs> I won't tell your wife about the show, okay? Uh, Glenna's wife or my wife? Your wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to keep up. I'm trying to stay on top of things. That's tough to do with Alina and I sometimes. That, that. <laughs> oh, Galena, we got to meet. This is. It's too much fun, even though we're thousands of miles away. <laughs> What's the best thing that ever came from, from Rhode Island? Well, the Rhode Island red chickens. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah, we used to own Rhode Island reds, actually. Yeah. We've got some. The Narragansett Pacer, which is unfortunately no longer, but quite. Uh, they're, the, Narrag they're, the horse's genes are all over the place. So we've got two things. And, and red clam chowder. No, no, that's New York. Uh, I know, but uh, oh. we used to eat it in Rhode Island at, at uh, Rocky Point, Rhode Island. used to have the best red clam chowder. 
Mm. So there you go. There's my contribution about Rhode Island. Well, okay, I have to go back I to the serious thing because you know, Glenn, I have to be serious for a second. Okay, or twelve. I I want to go back to this thing, this point about um, when the whole goal, the whole motivation behind you creating this non-rancher life and going out and doing the talk show, uh, you know, doing your radio shows and public speaking. You're trying to inform and educate people. Are they listening? Are they hearing you? Or, you know, you're, you're sort of embedded in the ag world, but it's really, is it the ag world that needs to hear your message or is it everybody else? And is everybody else listening? Are they hearing you? Uh, you're asking me, am I preaching to the choir? Right. Yes, I spend 70% of my time preaching to the choir, and I do that because the choir needs to sing louder and more often. I, as an individual, a renegade rancher from Nebraska, am going to touch only so many people each year. The USDA says that there are 2 million people in the United States involved in agriculture. If just 10%, 200,000 people in agriculture, would all take a little bit of information that they can acquire through my outlets or any other outlet about who, where, and how actually produce food in this country, and each one of them sing louder and more often, then it begins to resonate. Now, the other 30%, this is a fun project that you two should join me at (laughs) this fall. Have either one of you ever been to the Cow Palace? No. No. Pregnant pause in radio means no trip. We really haven't. <laughs> no, that's true. We really haven't. <laughs> no, but I'm waiting with bated breath to find out if I want to go. <laughs> so bring it on. What do we got? That is the funniest thing. I, I, did, I do an hour-long talk show every morning. And this morning, we talked about bated breath for nearly the entire hour. And you bring it up here. It's a bated breath day. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Helena spends a lot of time in that state. I do. <laughs> but you know what? I was the just... The state of Yes. <laughs> I was just... Uh, I went on a little foot adventure this morning looking for trail access, and uh, I, I ran into a herd of cows that... Um, I, I don't know. I just was... We didn't know each other. We knew nothing about one another. And so now I'm interested in more, more about cows. So that's why my breath is baited. The cow is the most amazing creature God ever created for us. And I'm glad you bring it up, because the Cow Palace is a building that was built just outside of San Francisco. It's kind of in the metro San Francisco area, right by the San Francisco airport in 1941. And it was a very controversial place to be built in 41 because people were saying, we just came out of the Depression, times are tough, war is looming, and you're building a palace or a palace for cows. Well, if you're from the west side of the Rocky Mountains and you've grown up in agricultural circles, horse circles, or even just living, period, the Cow Palace touched your life in some way. The premier Western livestock events, horse shows, cattle shows, pig shows, has taken place at the Cow Palace since 1941. It did take a break during World War II. The Rolling Stones, the Beatles, all of those groups have performed at the Cow Palace. And it's a place that has touched so many lives. I don't know how many people I've met from California, Oregon, Washington, who said, I met my wife at the Cow Palace. You know, he <laughs> met her at the time, and they got married. So it's touched so many lives, and it really has uh, not been what it was 
used to be because there's so many other things people can do. They called me this past year and they said, Trent, we want to get the pizzazz back into the Cal Palace. Do you have any ideas? I said, oh, I got some ideas. So I found a way to create a contest so that businesses in San Francisco can brag about how they use a cow in their everyday life. Because people talk about ribeyes. People talk about hamburger and all of these things, which are tremendous cow products. But did you guys know that every single tire made in the United States contains stearic acid? No. Stearic no. acid comes from a cow. Huh. Did you know that all women's cosmetics, makeup, things like this, that are applied for the purposes of an enhancing the physical attributes of a female and far too many males in San Francisco uh, <laughs> comes from a cow. I did know that. Did you know that ball bearings all contain a component that comes from a cow? Did you know that a saddle and the footballs that are used by the NFL come from a cow? Did you know that 104 pharmaceuticals used in medicine today come from a cow? My point is, China I can go down the list of things that we use in our everyday life that came from a cow. I'm, I've got businesses in San Francisco that are excited about promoting the cow, the Western culture, the cowboy, the horse, and we are going to have an event called the Grand National at the Cow Palace October 21st through the 24th to celebrate the successes that we have had as American citizens. That's really what it's about, it is that we need to look at the positive things that we've been able to accomplish as American citizens through blood, sweat, and tears since this country was created 234 years ago. Hey, Trent, does that event have a website yet? Uh, you can go to the Cal Palace and look at Grand National or just do a, I'm sure there is, I know there's a Facebook page also for the Cal Palace okay. and the Grand National. Search either one and you'll be able to find them. Okay, oh, yeah. cool. CalPalace.com. <laughs> go right, there. There we go. And that's October, you said, right? October 21 through the 24th. I think that we should, and I don't know that you'll ever have me on, but I think the three of us should be together, and then I'll put you on my radio shows from the Cal Palace this fall. I, I, I like any excuse to go to California myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, you don't need to talk too hard about that. Uh, the, oh. And it's fortunately, it's after the World Equestrian Games. And, of course, one of your sponsors is Alltech, and we do the World Equestrian Games radio show. So um, w- are you coming in for the games? Oh, absolutely. In fact, as I said that, I thought, well, that'll be just like a month after we've already done a show together. I'm, I'm talking about my shows, because I'm going to put you guys on my show. I'm going to be walking around with a microphone at the WAG. Yeah, well, you know what? We're going to we're doing a daily wrap up show every night here from the World Equestrian Games. We're going to have to get you to join us one night. Oh, absolutely, I will. Are you, are you, you, you have to bring a twelve pack. <laughs> yeah, we do the radio show, so we're actually doing eighteen daily shows, uh, wrap up shows, and uh, we're being carried by uh, one of the TV networks, and we're doing it at the International Equestrian Festival in front of an audience every night. Uh, downtown Lexington, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And we, you know, we we uh, we interview and know most of the uh, competitors, so a lot of them will be joining us each night. So it's just going to be a good time. Yeah, but you have to bring booze if you want to be on the show. That's right. <laughs> so if you want to be a special guest, booze? you have to bring beer, wine, something, <laughs> good cigars, a cow. Oh, what if I bring? Um... Pierce Lyons of Vintage Whiskey, the first batch off of the out of the barrel. I think he will take it. 
I think I will drink whiskey because I don't <laughs> like whiskey, but that sounds like it's really good. <laughs> well, what is your drink of choice? I'm curious. <sighs> seltzer. <laughs> I'm pretty much. Really, a, she's not a real I'll big alcoholic. Seltzer. Did you say alcohol? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know really. I'm, I'm sort of exper. You know what? I had port wine for the first time a few weeks ago, and that was really nice. Well, you know what? I have to tell you this, Trent. Her, uh, her Helena and my wife hunted together for many years, uh, fox hunting, and in their flasks they used to carry lemonade or tea. So that tells well, you. Well, no, something. there was a fair amount that carried a lot more than that. Yeah, but, but you two carried lemonade. Yeah, we could because we were looking <laughs> yeah, after right. so many of those wackos out there, the wackadoodles. <laughs> Isn't it, isn't it unethical to carry lemonade or tea in a flask? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's some kind of crime. I do think so, yeah. Yeah, it is, at least in Kentucky. That is a crime. <laughs> but so I know. Well, we, we've got a lot to teach you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I really haven't spent a whole lot of time um, anywhere but the East Coast. I don't know. I've been to San Francisco a little bit. I've been to, yeah, I can't say that. I've been to Chicago plenty. But I haven't had a chance to get, you know, my hands in the earth. So you I don't want to know come what that ranch. Is that what you're saying? Oh, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? Sure. I've never been in Nebraska. Oh. Ever. You can get from Rhode Island to Nebraska. It's possible. But <laughs> <laughs> like Kathleen, I can ride. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, and you're in the heart of uh heart of tornado country there too. Uh, this is the perfect time of year to see a tornado if that's your fancy. <laughs> well, actually that that brings me to a question about um your all the animals that you have on your ranch. Do you do you have help taking care of them? And, and what do, do they all have jobs? Are they food animals? How does that work? I, I've married well, so consequently we don't have to hire anyone to take care of the animals. Kelly does a tremendous job. And yes, everyone has a purpose. Okay, let me back up. Anybody who has 50 horses better explain that everyone has a purpose. <laughs> um, I think that I am a horse trainer, but the problem with me training horses is you have to be there to do it. It's really hard to do that virtually through a computer game. Yeah, we've all tried it. It doesn't work so well. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, every time I'm home for three or four days straight, I I try to start a new one and uh, then I'll screw up and say, well, maybe I should start that paint mule today, which was like a three-week project instead of a three-day project. But I truly enjoy that, and in all sincerity, I think that you two will be able to relate to this as any horse lover should. Um, you know, I spend 200 nights a year on the road. I have spoken in 27 states since January 1 this year, plus 12 times in the state of California. I love dealing with people, working with people, learning from people. But there is a real therapeutic value possibly just mental therapy that I need to go home, put a horse or a mule in a round pen and communicate with them. Only a person that's done that can actually relate to what I just said, but it is a tremendous necessity that I be able to go home and do that. I think everybody listening to this show can relate to that. It's, it is, it's a necessity. It's like breathing. And you do miss Absolutely. it when you're away like you are so so much. You you miss that. And, it, you know, it's it's something that you don't there, – there's no other outlet for that. If you're a horse person, there's no other outlet for that. It, it, you, I don't care what you do. But, you know, too, it, it's when you're, so, when you're so busy the way you are and you've got your, your 
fingers in so many different pies and you are working so hard to please so many different people, you tend to lose track of who you are. And you, I mean, this is true for me. You disconnect from who you are. When you do get inside that round pen, it's just you and in your case, your mule. You have no place to go but to yourself. It, it's that, that animal doesn't care who else works with you, what your deadlines are, who you're trying to please. They just want to know what you have to say to them. So you, you, like I said, you have no choice but to go within yourself and share that with the animal you're in this round pen with. And the result is cathartic. Yeah. Every well, time. Every time. And I, think, and, and I think we've come full circle. And, uh, you know, in our conversation, I started talking about Theodore Roosevelt, and many people, by the way, since have claimed that the saying that outside of a horse is good for the inside of a man. But Theodore Roosevelt grew up as an aristocrat in New York, as so many New Englanders are. Um, mm-hmm. But he went to the Badlands. I was hoping that he knew I was joking there, but that's okay. <laughs> he went to the Badlands in North Dakota, and uh, he said many times he would have never been president of the United States had it not been hit for his time spent ranching in western North Dakota. And he also said in 1908, which I think is very relevant today, and it's what keeps every horse enthusiast and every person in agriculture truly grounded. Theodore Roosevelt in 1908 said, the greatest problem facing our nation is urbanization. 1908 is before we had cars, before we had paved roads, before we had sewers, before we had so many things today that we absolutely take for granted. And here was a man 100 years ago that understood that urbanization was a mindset, not something that we do to the land. And that when people cannot go into the wilderness, shoot, harvest, respectfully harvest, and process that resource, i.e. an animal, into food, that nation is vulnerable to losing its way. And the real value, you talk to people that work in cubicles all day, sitting on a computer, and they can't wait to go to the stable if they're in upstate New York or they're in Nebraska and get back in touch with something that's real, and that's communicating with that horse or that animal, and that keeps you grounded, and that keeps you in touch with what's really important in life. Well, I'll tell you what, Trent, we're going to have to end on that. I can't think of a better better conversation to end on, actually. Uh, it's, we could go on like this all day because we're as curious as you are. Uh, and, and I am jealous, by the way, because I, I think you getting to travel, you know, maybe not, I probably wouldn't want to be out 200 nights a year. But you getting to travel like that, that is just so neat. I just, I'm, I'm envious of, of your getting to travel and meet so many cool people across the country. Because I think that's the other thing that we're following somebody. I'll tell you about this af- off the air. But we're following somebody by the name of Kathleen who started a ride across America. And she's riding her horse across America. And the thing that has surprised her and she has found in her first month is it's not the scenery. It's not, it's not her time it, her, her time on the horse necessarily that, that has surprised her. It's the people, the unbelievably charitable people that she has met in every town. And I think that's something that, that she's finding and helping us to understand that still exists out there. It's just the press doesn't talk about it. The media doesn't talk about it. But it's still out there. We're still Americans, and we still act like, like Americans should act. And, and she's finding that in her travels. And I think you've probably found that, too. Absolutely. One final story that's directly related to that. I've got a friend that lives in North Carolina. His name is Bernie Harberts. He had a mule 
had a wagon, and this was like a sea vessel with wheels. <laughs> he pulled it from Canada to Mexico, and the sea vessel's purpose was so he had a place at night to sleep. Two and a half years from Canada to Mexico, he never slept in it one night. Wow. Because people open their doors every day. And that's exactly what she's finding. She brought her tent. She brought. She was planning on sleeping out under the stars every night, and she hasn't been uh, camping one night yet. Uh, yeah, it is about the people. Yep, it is. And I, I know that's probably the most fascinating part for you as well, and also getting to tell your story. Well, I hope that we've gotten your story out a little bit, and the people will go check out your website, which can be found at looselooostales.com. Loosetales.com, and you can find all of your shows and things over there. Was there any other website you wanted to throw out here? Uh, an additional website, Faces of Ag, A-G, Faces of Ag.com. All right, and we'll put uh, the, both of those links in our show notes at StableScoop.com as well. Well, thank you, Trent, and we're looking forward to being on your show, too. We'll talk a little horse over there. Uh, absolutely, any day. And by the way, you know, I'm a mule enthusiast because they're only half an ass. <laughs> I know Selena didn't make comment on that one. You know, I'm going to come with my covered wagon. I've got a 1908 Newton chuck wagon. I'm going to bring my team out there, and I'm just going to put you in that chuck wagon, Lena, and haul you back to the brass. <laughs> All right, Trent. Well, we thank you uh, for being on, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. What a great guy. What yeah. a great, great broadcaster. And a smart guy who really is out there. He started this doing it for a very noble cause. Yeah, he did. And I think he's really achieving what he set out to achieve. I mean, he didn't go out there for fame and fortune. You know, he went out there to preach a message. And, you know, and a message really of uh, that's so important to the whole United States, not just the flyover country, you know? Right, it, the flyover uh, country. Yeah, right. I mean, it just, it, I, I just liked him a lot. And and, uh, and and it looks like now he wants us to come over and talk horses on his show. So. Oh, that's going to be tough. I know, I don't think we can I don't talk do horses. So. I don't know that I want to do that. <laughs> Ranch, Nebraska, all those critters. <laughs> he has like 200 goats. Oh, like when he was saying how many animals he had, I was <laughs> drooling. All those swine. Goats are so much trouble, too. I don't know how you contain 200 goats, to be honest with you. But they make you so happy. <laughs> They're funny. They are funny. They are funny. Now, he has the meat goats, too. Have you ever seen those? They yeah. are fat. They're these fat-bellied goats. They look <laughs> funny. They are really funny looking. And you eat goat meat? Yep, that's right. Yep. All right. I we mean, had... you know what? I'm a carnivore. I, I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I'm just, I'm learning to, you know. Well, my, if I uh... lived in a teepee and hunted off of horseback, I think I'd have a much easier time eating goats. <laughs> I just, you know, I grew up in a very sheltered contemporary world. Have I, you I ever done goat's le- or uh, uh, frog legs? Uh, I have not eaten them, but my husband's prepared them. Oh, you haven't tried them? They no. really do taste like chicken. No, I will not. <laughs> I would. I I've eaten rabbit, and um, and that sort of tastes like rabbit. It's a little gamey, but yeah. I, I really can't get the idea of when you taste the difference between chicken and rabbit. You taste that gaminess. You can't get the idea that it's a rabbit out of your head, and that makes it worse. <laughs> but frogs. I mean, you're not emotionally attached to frogs, so I I. <laughs> my wife won't do it either. Jennifer will not touch a frog's leg. I actually was brave and tried them and liked them. I actually liked them. 
I don't know. I mean, if it didn't look like a frog's leg, then I I could probably <laughs> eat it. You know, if it looked like a chicken wing or something, if it was prepared that way. I can't. No, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't do it. We if always it end that, up on food, don't we, Helena? Gee, I wonder how that happens. <laughs> well, you know, we, uh, I want to also mention that we have our show, the Tack and Habit Radio Show. And uh, the new episode is up over there. So you can hop on over to tackandhabit.com. We had a couple of uh, cool products. And we had one of our past guests here uh, from the Stable Scoop show on this week, didn't we? We did. Yes, we had <laughs> Mike Winter on. who uh, oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> who spoke about his... Uh, his new cross-country logs that he's designing to make the sport a little safer. Yes, yeah. prologues, which I think are the greatest thing since sliced bread. And the show is titled Savin' Logs, so you'll have to stop over to uh, tackandhabit.com and check out that show. And See, people, I'm no different than many of you. I have no <laughs> idea what I had for breakfast. You live in hour by hour, day by day. And don't forget all the other shows on the network. You can find them all at horseradionetwork.com. We have eight shows now on the network. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, we have, we're going to have Darlie on next week for Tack and Habit. Darlie Newman, who's been on here just a couple weeks ago, a regular guest of Equitrekking fame. And she looked at our website today and said, how many shows do you have? I said, I said, we have eight, and you only have one, Darlie. You have to catch up. So now hers happens to be worldwide and on PBS and... You know, have millions and she's winning of Emmys and stuff. And she's winning Emmys and stuff. I think we'll but, ever win an Emmy. Is there some kind of award? I think we're going to have to do podcast? 65 shows to be able to win an Emmy. Don't, but don't they have like, they isn't there anything for podcasts? No, there is Excellence. something for radio, but they don't, they don't like us much because yeah, we're we taking don't... business from them. So, oh, oh, Trent has a chance of winning. You know, he could win on radio because he's on real radio. I know. Well, he's good. He's really good. (laughs) All right. Well, be sure to listen next week as we talk about something else, which we have no idea. You know, people think we do have an idea and we have this planned out for a year at a time. And that's pretty much not true. We just know a lot of people. And the day before we record a show, we go through our little Rolodex. We call a guy like Trent and say, you're coming on tomorrow. Hey, can you be on our show? (laughs) We have eight of them. Pick one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which one fits? You can find our show notes at stablescoop.com, and you can leave us feedback. We'd love to hear from you, and we've been getting a lot more emails now. We thank you for that. There's a contact link right on the website there, and you can follow us at Twitter at Horse Radio and Helena underscore B-E-E. B-E-E. All right, Helena, we'll be back again next week here on the Stable Scoop Radio Show with... The Scoop. That was a good ending for a change. We did it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well... That's it, I guess. Okay. Well, next show. The fun's huh? over for the week. On to the next show. Well, the no, what do you mean the fun's be... over? We have another show to record. Oh, that's right. Yes, we do. Okay. See, you're worse well, than me. All right. Well, then let's record another show. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye.
If you own a horse business of any kind, wholesale, retail, a stable, a training business, or you're a professional rider and need a new website, then it's time for you to call the Barnworks. The Barnworks will update that website of yours into the 21st century. You know, websites need updated every two to three years. How long has it been since you did yours? Speak to the Barnworks before you commit to anyone else. That is thebarnworks.com for all your website development needs.